Okay, back into the study of basics and fundamentals and foundations. Uh, we've walked through some of this in Faith 319, uh, faith in the Word of God in the basics of faith. And last week we had the area of the privilege of choice. And I used Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. And it says, behold, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by and clinging to him for he is your life in the length of your days. That's a scripture that was taught to me shortly after I was saved and I, I come to understand this whole area of choosing life. This is one place we emphasize often the, the soul and the uh, spirit, spirit, soul and body and sometimes don't put quite enough emphasis on the soul. Uh, sometimes we get locked in the soul. That's not a good thing. But the will is part of that, the will to choose, the will to take hold of life, to be able to enter in and receive. I just read this thing in Psalm uh, 103 a few moments ago. Don't forget any of his benefits. The benefit package that comes with Jesus is incredible. But first of all, you got to have him. Receiving him as Lord of your life, establishing that. And tonight we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit which in my opinion is also an essential. Holy Spirit's not an option. And a lot of the church world has treated Jesus like an option. Well, you know, when you go to buy a vehicle, they've got a, a list on the window of all the options that are there. You know, a steering wheel is not an option on a vehicle. Well, I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit is like a steering wheel. We need directive correction. We need the voice behind us, Jake saying, now this is the way walk in it when you would turn to the right hand or turn to the left. So the Spirit of God is God. We're going to look at who He is, what He does, and His availability to us. So if you go with me to Matthew, or excuse me, to Luke, Luke chapter 6, and we're going to listen to Jesus. We're going to look at the Word of God, what the Word of God has to say. And one of the things that I've run into over the years that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been identified as a Pentecostal doctrine. Well, it is that, but it's a Jesus doctrine. It's him. All four gospels proclaim Jesus Christ as a baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi, it says, I'm the Lord and I change not. And he's got a plan for us. And I want us to see that and, and look clearly at the word of God. And sometimes the tradition of man has made the word of God of no effect or it's discounted its worth and value. And we need to reestablish ourselves. And most of you have heard me at one time or another, the word re-believe. And I've heard the Lord say, now you believed it over here. Let's believe it again on purpose. Boy, Jake and I just going through the Psalms a few minutes ago, man, it just triggered a whole bunch of stuff. And I pray, Father, that the word of God would stimulate us and provoke us and believe and receive what the word of God declares so that the doctrine of man does not undermine the credibility of the character of our God. That religious spirit started in the garden. It's never stopped. And it's a, a thing that I hate with all, my, with all my heart because our God is alive and he loves us. The foundation of everything that our God does is love. 
It's based on that. And one of the things, even as we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, sometimes there's way too much focus on the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, without love, the gifts are useless. So it isn't the gift, it's the power, it's the presence and the anointing of God that he wants for us to participate. And I want to declare that to you from the word. Luke chapter six, starting with verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's a tough question right there. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and notice as acts upon them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. It's what we've been talking about the last three weeks is foundation, fundamental area, and it's on a person. He's the rock. The torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. Well, first of all, I, I skipped a word here. And when a flood arose, I think we're in flood season right now. And there's a lot of people that are being shaken in a lot of different places and need to be reestablished on the rock. And when a flood rose and the torrent burst against that house, it could not shake it because it, the house had been well built. And one of the things I've had to learn early on, I understand what I think or feel, but what does the word say? I have to go back to the word of God. That's what brings stability. Jake preached half my sermon last Sunday and I'm so grateful because it was word and spirit, man. I just love it. And it was just going, I'm going, yeah, preach it, brother. Because you can't have one without the other. And if you haven't listened to Jake's teaching last week, then get after it because you need to hear this. Verse 49, but the one who has heard and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house upon the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. I'll tell you what, when the house goes down the river and a guy's in a house, it's a bad scene. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that are being shaken in this season because they don't have a foundation. And that's why we're going over basics and fundamentals and foundation. First of all, of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That was in 319 in that teaching in that area. The fundamental dimension, the most important decision you will ever make is making Jesus Christ Lord in your life. Now, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> There's another scripture Jake quoted, prayed, declared, and I'm going to run it by again. Because we have made a decision a long time ago that a good teacher is a repeater. It's the whole concept of remembering and establishing, rebelieving. Verse 13 of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me and in the faith and the love which are in Christ Jesus. Remember we talked about in the book of Ephesians, it says it's in him or in Christ just multiple times. And it's something of when your life is hid with Christ in God, Colossians says that that's where real life comes. That's the whole area of choosing life. And it's a one-time event where we enter into it, but it's a continual making choices to receive life. And the spirit gives life. Flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. So I heard this a lot of years ago. I, I remember a person saying this. Sometimes you got to read the Bible like it's written to you and nobody else. 
There is an area of, this is mine. And one of the reasons I've retained a, a, a lot of scripture is because I've declared out of my mouth repeatedly, Lord, I receive that, or I believe that, or that's mine, I accept that. So receiving the word of God implanted, James says, is able to save your soul from going down some sorry trail it doesn't need to go down. I have used that scripture time and time again. And every time I do is receiving, it's lambano or a part of that word in different contexts of receiving and accepting what is offered, not to refuse or reject. And I think there's times, and I was in some of that myself over a number of years where I was receiving part of the word, but the hard stuff, I was kind of skirting around. Well, it says that, but it doesn't mean that. No, 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 it does mean what it says. And it means what it says, and it says what it means. And so accepting the word and receiving it is an imperative for us. And that's why he tells Timothy to retain the, the standard of sound words. Well, what's sound words? Sound words are the words of Jesus and his word. That's where the life's at. And he says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to us. The treasure is the gospel and it's the person of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5, we used this last week as well, but it bears repeating. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh because the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. And verse 25 says, if you live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. Well, what does that look like in the real world? Well, it's the foundation of is Jesus and his word. It's the foundation of love. God so loved that he gave and he's never stopped. The, he, he's just incredible in, in the giving. And even when I'm fouled up, he always comes and speaks truth to me. Now, one thing that's embarrassing from, from time to time, he always makes me look, at, look him in the eye. And I don't want to look him in the eye if I'm messed up or I've wandered away or I've been grumbling or whatever it is. But he makes me look in the, in the eye to know his approval when I'm fouled up. That is an incredible dimension in, in that area. And he says, come to me, come as you are, not as you ought to be. I've used that scripture countless times because there's times I want to clean my act up first. And he says, no, no, no. This is when I find it out about it. When, when you come to me, just come, bring your stuff. Let's deal with it because I love you. It's the love call of Jesus Christ. Come to me when you're overburdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Here's the phrase, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. So if rest or peace is missing, then the government of Jesus is missing in that part of my life. That's the part that I need to bring. I don't want to talk about that. He, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about his blessing and all that. He said, I understand that. But he says, that's in your heart, Les. Let me have that and I'll give you my grace. Grace gives me divine ability to do that which I could not or would not previously do. Grace is supernatural. It's how we're saved and how we're saved some more because that's exactly what I need at that point in time. I need to be saved from perishing and fainting in my mind. I'm soul stuck at that point in time and I need to get back in the spirit again. So I draw near to him. See, 1 Corinthians 15 says that the first man, Adam, the first Adam became a living soul. The last man, which is Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. The spirit gives life. That's why 
this whole concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so incredibly important. So first off, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he was present in the second verse of Genesis, right at the beginning. And the Spirit of the Lord moved over the face of the waters, or one translation says, or brooded over the face of the waters. Creation came forth. He is God. He's not just a force. He is God. He's the second person to the Trinity. He's co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. And he, he's been termed as breath. And it's so interesting as I, I think through that whole area, the whisperings and breathings of the Spirit of God, those things, that voice behind you that, that you know, the voice that's in your conscience, particularly when you wandered off the trail, it's said, lesson. Come on now, that's not where that is. Let's get back on there, come to me. So the breath of God and the, and the words of God and the life of God is how the Holy Spirit works and what he does. And he's always exalting Jesus. So go with me to Isaiah chapter 11. And there's a great description of the spirit that would rest on Jesus. And that same spirit is what we have the privilege of resting on us. And these are the, again, the benefits. Don't forget any of his benefit. The, the workings of the spirit of God are amazing to me. And the promptings, and it's a little stuff. You know, even for preparation for tonight, I had finished uh, the, the notes somewhat. They never get finished, but there was a somewhat of a finish of the notes. And all of a sudden I have this prompting, oh, you haven't sent in the scriptures yet. So I stop in and I, I do this. I've learned if I delay listening to the voice, I'll regret it and have many times. But if we'll hear, act on the word of the Lord and, and carry out his directives, that's when peace comes and order comes and things begin to flow. Now I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit, but I'll tell you what, the promptings of the Spirit of God are incredible. So listen to this description here in Isaiah 11, beginning with verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. and He's a son of David. Jesus is. Then a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Yahweh, will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, We've used this scripture. Matter of fact, the Lord gave this to me at the beginning of the year, and I've used it often, is in uh, Isaiah 33, 6. And he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is his treasure. The fear of the Lord is huge. It's not terror, but it's awe in respect, and it's demonstrated best in obedience to his will. That's what function. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of him who sent me. And he's God Almighty, yet come in the flesh, let he laid that aside, and by the power of the Spirit, he's walking these things out. So these are the things that have been given to us. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, strength, and knowledge. This is what rests on Jesus. Notice verse 3. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I love that phrase, being delighted in the fear of the Lord. 
and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. And I've got written in the margin there, all pastors learn. As I tell you what, sometimes they're not as they appear. This is where the gifts of the Spirit and discernment and wisdom and listening to what the Spirit is saying in a given situation will give insight and has protected, protected me a lot of times. When I've ignored that, I paid the price for it. So listening, hearing, and acting on the Word of God, I cannot overemphasize that. Go to the right a little bit, Isaiah 61. Another prophetic word of Jesus in which he quotes himself and declares that this is him in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, he, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. We're still in the favorable year of the Lord. There's opportunity for people to come. And there's a number of people, and maybe some of you out there listening uh, this evening that have been monkeying around, doing your own thing, caught up in world stuff or whatever it is, it's time to get on with this because he's at the door. The return of the Lord is at hand. This isn't necessarily meant to cause you fear unless you need to have the hell scared out of you. I'm just telling you, there's not enough talk about it. Jake mentioned this on Sunday. Hell's real and so is heaven. And I remember a friend of mine, uh, her brothers were pastors and she was not living in a good place. And I said, Gwenny, hell, heaven's real and hell's hot. You got to make a choice. So choosing to receive, choosing to lay hold of, Sometimes we're just caught in this affliction and the brokenhearted and the captives, prisoners. But the favorable year is the Lord. Come, child, bring your stuff. Let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself. That little word, let. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Come, receive, lay hold of these things. So sometimes we need to be strengthened in these things because of the immensity of it. Now notice these things prophetically spoken of Jesus. He came to serve. He laid aside his glory and come and to be able to ransom us, purchase us from all kinds of sin and brokenness. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4. He says, if anyone has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles of God or the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him serve with the strength that God supplies so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory forever and ever. And he says, amen, so be it right in the middle of the chapter in that area. Some of those chapter divisions weren't there anyhow. But declaration of intent and purpose is, is huge with the strength that God supplies. And that's what the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit does. It gives us the ability to be able to speak and declare who God is and what he does and what is available to us. 
Philippians 1.19, Paul refers to the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, God is spirit. Jesus declares this in John chapter 4 when he's there with a Samaritan woman. And he says, God is spirit and those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus are in totally one accord. And one of the things that really came to me in, in this time of prep is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all teach. Isaiah 54, 13 says, and all your children will be taught of Yahweh and great will be the peace of your children. That's the father heart of God. In Jesus, when he started his ministry, he sat down on the mountain and began to teach them and later said, hey, this guy teaches with authority, not as the scribes. And the Holy Spirit, the helper has been given to us and he teaches us about all things and he brings to our remembrance all that Jesus has already said. When it says all things, it absolutely means all things. Doesn't matter whether it's in relationship with the Lord to start with, relationship with a spouse and children or parents or in the marketplace. And that's one of the things that I learned early on at a car dealership. It's not the easiest place to have a relationship with the Lord. But he began to teach me how to do things that I would have never figured out ever. I could tell you countless stories, been done that in the past. But it also taught me how to have relationship with other people, both other technicians and people that were in management. And then I was in management myself and with other customers from time to time and with other dealerships. It was, it was amazing how the Spirit of God will direct anything and everything in your life. So all we have to do is ask. First of all, receiving Jesus as Lord, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and then allowing Him to continue to teach you how to be able to live out your life. I don't care what you do in a marketplace job, He's got a better way of doing it, an easier way and a more productive way to assist you with less effort either. That is amazing to me how he teaches us about all things. Now, here's some of the names that I've collected a short list of that have been referred to the Holy Spirit. The helper, the comforter, counselor, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, teacher, spirit of truth, spirit of God. So there's an encompassing of the power of the Holy Spirit and I've said this to a number of people and I totally believe this. We haven't begun to tap the resource that's available to us in walking in the spirit. And that's why Paul says, if you walk in the spirit, he said, then you will not fulfill the desire or the lust of the flesh. The flesh always wants to figure it out, lean to our own understanding. You know, Proverbs is so clear that don't do that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Well, truth be known, we trust him with part of the heart, part of the time. That's what sorry pendulum that swings back and forth that we talked about often. But the area of being able to trust by believing and receiving his word, what he's declared and what he's declared himself willing, not only willing, but desirous to do, to be able to enter into these things. So let's look at Mark chapter one. And we're going to look about in Jesus receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as he begins ministry. Mark 
Verse 8 of chapter 1, John the Baptist is speaking. He says, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. It's such an encouraging word, amazing. Jesus really hadn't done any ministry yet at this point in time, and yet the Father was well pleased with him because he came to do the will of the Father. And the baptism wasn't because Jesus had any sin. He wasn't baptized for that, but he associated with us in that area. Because he says in another place, and John says, well, no, no, no. He says, I, you ought to be baptizing me. What's up with this? And Jesus, in order to fulfill all righteousness, to be able to establish and declare the value of what Jesus was engaged in, in his life as a son, pleasing the father and carrying out the will of the father, but also being established then with the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out what he was called to do. Now notice verse 12, and immediately the spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast and the angels were ministering to him. Spiritual warfare was on immediately. The enemy was doing it. He started in the garden, tried to undermine and discredit the will and purposes of God. And he's working on Jesus big time. And so all the temptations Jesus refuted, I understand, but the word says, and he declares the word of the Lord. Most of it right out of Deuteronomy, which we used earlier. So the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be challenged, guaranteed. When people are first saved, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that's been sown into them. When we baptize people here, we always pray for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and for the baptism of the Spirit to come upon them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But the Spirit of God is an imperative. It's essential. There is no option in that dimension at all. Now, we mentioned that all four Gospels have declared that. But um, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I've used this often because when we come into ministry situations, we're so aware of our inadequacies and our inability to do much of anything of any worth or value. And a lot of people check out. They never take hold of the power of God. Even if they're saved, they don't take hold of the anointing of God and they chicken out from all ministry. Man, I did for a lot of years. <laughs> I so remember being at a pastor's meeting a lot of years ago and Brent Ruth said this, he's in heaven now. He said, listen, if there's any way in the world you can get out of being a pastor, he said, do it. And we're thinking, really? But he said, if you can't, if this is what God's called you to for, he says, then take it, hold of it with all your might. Because I'll tell you what, there is a warfare and there's a, a price to pay in, in ministering the gospel. But like I said the last time, all of you, if you know Jesus, you have pastoral call on your life to minister something to someone somewhere. That's why we need the power of the Spirit of God. And there's a word in Luke 21 that had come earlier today. 
It's not in, in the scripture list, listings there, but Jesus said, if they're called you up into judgment of whatever sort that is, whether it's in the synagogues or in court of whatever it might be, he said, this will be a time for you to bear testimony, but resolve and settle it in your mind, not to meditate beforehand how you will make your answer. For I myself would give you such words to speak that all your foes combined would be unable to stand against or refute. In another place it says, it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks from within. There's an opportunity when sometimes, and there's a lot of times where we're being challenged in these areas. This isn't about winning the argument. This is about declaring the Lordship of Jesus Christ and why you believe. Because a lot of times people just want to debate with you, want to argue with you, want to prove you wrong, they want to win the argument or whatever else. That's a lot of foolishness. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, don't wrangle over words. He says, because it leads to the ruin of the hearer. Another place he says there, the servant of God must not strive. And I've had to do this a time or two. I say, you know, I really don't know about that, but let me tell you what I do know. So declaration of what you believe. Paul says, I believe, therefore have I spoken. People can, you know, they can refute your theology, but boy, they got a rough time refuting your testimony of walking, having heard the Lord, having carried it out, and there's measurable results in your life. Those are the kinds of things that people will pay attention to. I hope you found 2 Corinthians because we need this verse right now to follow up on that. That was kind of a freebie. 2 Corinthians 3, starting with verse 4. In such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not arrogance. Arrogance is just stupidity, but confidence is an essential. Confidence comes because we put confidence in him being confident of this very thing that he's begun a good work. I love that phrase, begun a good work. Man, I've been saved for 45 years, but I guarantee you I'm still in process. Matter of fact, I told the staff the other day, I think I know about that much. Just getting started. And if there's one thing that I've really learned as far as with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the things that it's brought into my life, this, the power of God, is how little I actually know and how incredibly important humility is. Because I guarantee you, when you move in some of the things of the Spirit and people begin to recognize that and they start giving you credit for what God's doing, look out. Duck your head, let the glory go to Jesus. Because I guarantee you the enemy will stroke that program and have people come in and tell you how wonderful you are. Acknowledge that, thank them for it, make sure you give the credit where it belongs because I guarantee it doesn't belong to me. Verse five, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, not of the law, not of religion, not of tradition, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Jake laid that out very clearly, how that area, word without spirit, man, it's just heavy and it's oppressive and there's, there's no ability to do what the word says. See, God, grace gives us divine ability to do that which we could not or would not previously do. It's how we're saved, how we're continuing to be saved from going down some trail you don't need to go down. 
Now let's listen to Jesus again with another divine invitation. Go with me to John chapter seven. And we're going to look at verses 37 through 39. And the, the whole story in this is, is amazing, but I don't have time to go into the context of it, but this is Jesus Christ himself speaking out. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Here's divine invitation to come and drink. Now the word thirsty is an interesting word. It's painfully to feel their want of and eagerly looking for. Matter of fact, I'm pretty thirsty right now, so I'll take a break a minute. Jake had to get water before he came in here. So water is an essential. You know, you can live without food for a long time, but man without water, that's a bad ride. And the invitation is come to me. Now notice what you come for. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. There's great abundance in that area. The innermost being is the very core of our being. I think it's heart, really. It's soul and spirit. It's the ability to receive and to lay hold of and accept what is being poured out and poured into us at that point in time. Then it begins to flow out. Flow out. It's like when the, you're pouring water in a glass and you keep pouring and pretty soon it's running over the edge. And that's the way the spirit of God is designed to work in us. There ought to be some measurable result or something that flows out of us in that area. And that can be recognized that, oh no, that can't be less. He's just not that bright. I'm going, yeah, absolutely. That's God. I'm a delivery boy. That's all I got. <clears throat> now, verse 39, <clears throat> but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. There's our Lombano word again, to receive what's offered. For the spirit had not been yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, let me tell you people, he has been glorified and he has poured out his spirit. And we're going to look at that a little bit more clearly. But I want to stop here for a moment and look at verse 38 as the scripture says. Well, where's that scripture? Let's look at that. Isaiah again Isaiah has got some incredible prophetic dimension in it in regard to Jesus and what he does and who he is. Verse, chapter 44, <clears throat> verse 3. So Jesus is quoting his own word because he's the one that inspired all this. This is his word. So he's using that with the people in that area because they were searching the scriptures because in them, he says, you think you have eternal life, but they speak of me. Is exactly what he's saying, speaking at right here, speaking of. Verse three, and I will pour out water on the thirsty ground and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. That's what he's quoting right there. Remember the thing in Deuteronomy said, it's for you and your descendants by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him, for he is your life in the length of your days. This has to be chosen, it has to be received. The receiving is our part in the thing. 
Matter of fact, I wrote it kind of at the end of my notes. It's receive, receive, receive. Receive Jesus, receive the word, receive the spirit, and receive the ability to carry out what he tells you to do. It's amazing in everything. It's kind of what our part is. So go with me to John chapter 14. <clears throat> John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 are some of the most important things that Jesus laid out for the boys just before he went to the cross. And it's things of teaching, of understanding the things of the Spirit, understanding his heart, understanding the Father's love. God so loved that he gave. He gave Jesus and he's given the Spirit as well. Now, I'm going to pick up chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the love factor is incredible. So what are those commandments? We'll look back at chapter 13, starting with verse 34. <clears throat> A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another Notice this, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. Even as I, and this is requires us to lay our lives down in some dimension for those who have not yet received. There's a price to pay in some of these things. Giving up your own value system, giving up what you hold dear in many instances having to give up some things so someone else can receive their blessing. And I've had to learn that way because sometimes I want to do it my way. But you have to meet people where they're at. And sometimes they're just not ready to receive yet. And so there's a word that we've been looking at from time to time, even as a staff, is the word endurance. And one of the things the Lord said to me, he said, now listen, I want you to endure long enough so people can wrestle through to the point where they're able to receive what you're trying to minister to them. And that takes some time from time to time. It can be very frustrating. And I so remember an occasion walking down the street in Federal Way, grumbling to the Lord about what wasn't happening in a, a couple's lives that Don and I were ministering to. And the Lord said this very clearly to me. He said, you just don't know their pain. He said, I just want you to walk with them for a while. Well, you talk about something that ended grumbling in a heartbeat. I guarantee you that's what it was. Because God was working. I just couldn't see it coming down the way I thought it ought to be happening in their lives. So in Hebrews, it says, but you have need of endurance. Now, first of all, it says, don't fling away your fearless confidence for it carries a great compensation or reward. But you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may carry away and enjoy to the full what's been promised. And this is where the power of the Holy Spirit will quicken to us. We begin to see and know and understand by the Spirit what's going on in the person's life rather than what I'm trying to minister to them. Now, sometimes their heart's closed off and all I need to do is stay in the prayer, prayer, uh, position of intercession for a season rather than trying to minister to something where the heart's closed off or trying to pick green fruit. And I also remember him saying from time to time, listen, if I'm not doing anything, please don't do anything. <laughs> then we end up creating messes in that area. We got to clean up and apologize for later. So if we walk with him, 
you know my little deal. Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I most quickly align with that? That's Jesus Christ in John 5, 19. And I have to go back and remind myself of that. And then the Lord will say stuff to me. Well, Les, how long did it take you to figure it out? Oh, yeah. How did I forget? Oh, really easy. Then we become religious and we become harsh and we become judgmental and we try to force something that is not him. That's flesh. Without love, you see, love is the most important. I have to love people enough to endure with them when it goes crossways what I think or what I believe because it's the foundation of all ministry in whatever area. I'm going to say that too. Man, I need to hear that more than any of you because faith works by love. If faith isn't involved in this thing, then I'm missing the mark. Then I begin to, to put procedure or methodology above the value of the person. Sorry, I got to tell another one on myself. I was doing a memorial service for a 16-year-old boy that had died of cancer that we prayed our heart out for. And I was so emotional at the time. There was another pastor with me and I said, Dick, you need to pray for me. I said, I don't, I don't know if I can even do this. I don't think I can even speak any words. And Dick said something to me that was so prophetic at the time, I can't even tell you. He said, let's just see the people in their need. And I got my mind off me and I got it off those people that needed to be encouraged and needed to be comforted in that place. I think there's a lot of the time we've got way too much me focused and we need to lay that down and become others focused. There was an old Quaker word. One of my mentors was, had been a Quaker and came to the Lord in that season. And he used the word otherly. Otherly, just it's got a ring in my spirit and being able to be otherly minded, love them enough, endure with them, walk with them, labor with them, intercede for them for however long it takes. And there's a number of you that are struggling with friends or relatives or family members or whatever else. And you may be to the point of saying, fine, whatever. Don't do that. Go back to the Lord with it and see them in their need of his grace. And remember where you first met the Lord, how it felt when you first received Jesus as Lord of your life. That's what we're looking for. Not the same thing that happened to you, but that they come to a point of receiving the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line in all ministry. And your comfort isn't as important as you think it is, and nor do I. Okay, verse 16. <clears throat> Remember, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's the commandment? Love each other. Play nice together, Jake. That's part of the deal here. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now the word another is alos. And it means another of the same kind or equal value. So another one just like me, the helper just like me. And then um, verse 17, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now notice it, it says the world cannot receive. 
Now there's a number, number of people, I had been one of these at one time, that have given mental assent to receiving Jesus as Lord of their life. And they began to see the benefits of the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were seeking that area, but they weren't saved. Now you're still stuck in the world. Repentance is the only way out of that area in receiving Jesus as Lord of your life. So we prayed with a number of people and I remember saying, now listen, talk to me about when you receive the Lord. You know, is that real to, for you? Is that solid in your life? And I've had a number of people say, well, I hope so. That's never going to fly with me. I can tell you for sure. You've got to know this. John says this in 1 John 5. He says, these things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans 8 says, the Spirit himself witnesses together with our spirit that we are children of God. This is an essential. So without the power of, of salvation working in your life, you can't get a hold of the Spirit because you're still stuck in the world. And we'll, we'll see a little bit more about that. So it's an imperative that we have lordship authority. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. It's revelation knowledge. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I always love that phrase, that phrase in that area. I will come. We'll pick up a little more of that in a moment. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you shall know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. How does that work? I don't know. It's supernatural there's an understanding of the love of God and the grace of God in all this that is just kind of beyond comprehension. I don't know that I've got time enough to go through the thing in Ephesians because you know I'm going to end up there sooner or later. But the anointing of God and the power of God that's available to us is incredible. Verse 21, And he who has my commandments and keeps them he it is who loves me. It goes back over that same thing from verse 15. And he who loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Make myself known, revealed, explained, living it out personally in individual life and in the corporate body. So both are incredibly important. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Well, same thing in verse 17. The world can't receive. There's, there's no ability. The hearts are closed off. And so that's one of the reasons why intercession is so incredibly important. And to be able to pray things like the prayer that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him by having the eyes of your understanding open and your heart flooded with light into the deep and the intimate knowledge of God. Because there was a number of people that had been baptized in the spirit and I'm trying to figure out what they got. I'm intellectually trying to figure this out. And this one lady, it was, it was brilliant. She said, I think you, are, you and Donna both need to pray Ephesians 1, 17 to 23, put your own name in that, which I did for an extended time frame. And then somebody came along and explained repentance to me. I got it. Somehow I missed that part of it. 
because I was trying mentally in my soul man to figure out something that's spiritual and supernatural. And I think there are a lot of folk that are in, caught in that area that that needs to be a prayer. And for those of you that are saved, praying for family members, I've counseled countless people, pray that prayer for them. Put their name in that area. Pray it out loud so you can hear it with the ears on your head. Two reasons. Number one, we're not just praying. And like Jake and I were going over scriptures here. I believe everything that we prayed and declared and established and worshiped with tonight. But when we pray these things, there's something of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When you hear yourself speaking this out, there's a witness in your own heart. I believe that. I believe that for my spouse or my children or my parents or my people I work with or whatever and declare these things. Declaration is huge. And this is another little thing I learned about spiritual warfare. The enemy was, I ran into a spiritual entity and I was going to address that. And the Lord said this to me. He said, don't be a yeller at the enemy. Be a declarer of who I am. And I learned a tremendous amount about spiritual warfare. So being declarer Declaring who Jesus is, what you believe, and why is huge. And intercession is a big part of that area. And people need to be prayed for that are, like I mentioned earlier, monkeying around and not coming in and receiving. A little further on now. <clears throat> Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So there's a privilege of that relational area. So in essence, we're encompassing the Trinity within us. Again, how does that work? I don't know. It just says that in the word. And I believe that. And I've experienced that relational place with the Lord. It's amazing. In, in the whole area of being a son. A son and being made acceptable because of the work of Jesus. That's Boy, Peter, or Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It has to be experienced. In fact, I'm going to just give you that right now for free. This is Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified Bible. And it says that you may really practically through experience for yourselves come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. And as you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to do the exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask, think, or even imagine according to the power that is at work within you to him be glory in Christ Jesus and in the church both now and forever. The power is the power of the spirit. It's the dunamis power of the living God. That's what changes and transforms. So the fruit of the spirit is love. Yeah, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all the fruit of the spirit. These are the outworkings of the spirit of God in his residency within us. So that's where we're rooted deep in the love of God. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words and the words which you hear is not mine, 
but the fathers who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. That verse is cardinal to me. It's, it's essential because when I first got saved and, and baptized in the Spirit, I said to my friend, Doug, how am I going to remember all this stuff? Because it was like this whole new paradigm. I knew the Bible stories had been raised in church all my life. But this revelation of Jesus and being saved and filled with the Spirit, this was whole new turf for me. I was like a dog in a new pan. I didn't have a clue how to be able to get a hold of this. He took me right to that scripture and particularly the last part and bring to remembers all that I have said to you. I have used that scripture so many times that I can remember a part of a verse or I thought you said this somewhere, would you remind me of this? And then the reminding also when I need an attitude adjustment, when I've wandered off the trail, I got soul stuck or I'm grumpy or whatever else, then the Spirit of God reminds me what Jesus has already said. I go, all right, got a time for an attitude adjustment. So I need to have him come produce faith in me because there's nothing in the bucket right there. I'm carnal as a brick. I need to be saved from perishing and fainting in my mind. This is the benefit package of having him say, now let's come here. And he never comes. And Jake said this Sunday also, he never comes in an admonishing, harsh way. He just doesn't. He just speaks truth to me. It's kind of like that. You just don't know their pain. And I didn't. And he was working. And I can tell you the end result of that was good because God was doing something that I couldn't see. That's what faith in essence is, that which is not yet revealed to the senses. But it's fact. And that's where faith comes. I've got to trust him, his word, and his character. That's the bottom line in this area of learning to walk by the Spirit. And man, I can walk by the Spirit one minute and all of a sudden be having an inserted thought pattern or something, information comes or turn on the news. That'll move you from spirit in a heartbeat. But the area of getting back in the spirit again is that reminding and the whisperings and breathings of the spirit of God that I talked about earlier. So it's an absolute key verse. Verse uh, chapter 16, we're going to start with verse 7. Jesus again speaking to the boys and to us. <clears throat> but I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. There's an essentialness to that. Jesus is speaking there. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I want to stop here for a second. In John 6, 28 and 29, they said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? And he said simply, believe on the one he has sent. That's him, Jesus. Now, we've just read this earlier that Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send. And then later on, he says, I will send. And he says the same thing over here. I will send him to you. So it makes good sense to me that we ought to believe and receive the one that Jesus has sent to be our helper. Boy, do we need a helper. And there's a lot of people that have taught the fact, well, the gifts and all of this stuff is passed away and you get everything at salvation. We've got the Bible now. 
well, I'm sorry. I've got the Bible, but I need the Holy Spirit to be able to teach me what the Bible means and how to live it out and how to walk that thing out. So Jesus Christ is the baptizer and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm the Lord and I change not. And so it's his heart cry that he says, it's your advantage that I go away and I'm going to send this to you. You need this helper. So I think doing the works of God for us who are saved or who are on the way to being saved, first you get Jesus, then you believe and receive the helper that he sends. And we're going to see what the helper does here in a moment. And he, when he comes, the helper will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, which is the most grievous sin as possible is not believing in Jesus and concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged at the cross. This thing is over for the enemy. Now he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Now you don't have the ability to receive them. And boy, and that's where I, I so relate to that area because I'm trying to receive spiritual things in my soul, man, and I can't get there from here. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Truth is not just a fact. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose that to you to you what is to come. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and disclose it to you. Now this is important. The word take there is our word lambano. So the spirit is receiving from the father and from Jesus and that's what he's disclosing to us. He's our embassy, he's our liaison and he's God, he's come in the flesh. So the worship of, is always of Jesus. So sometimes the worship of the spirit gets involved in this. Now you ought to have conversation with your teacher and you ought to have know his voice and be able to hear the promptings of that. But he's always directing him. Uh, the spirit of God is always directing us to Jesus. He will take of mine. Now, verse 15, all things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is supernatural information by the living God that Jesus wants us. The boys couldn't get there from here, man. They were, you know, when, when Jesus said, Hey, listen, you know, you're going to be baptized in the spirit. Not many days from now in the book of Acts, he said, well, are you going to restore the kingdom in Israel? Now they're still thinking political. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and epochs and seasons that God's put in his own, in his own hand. But he says, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Well, the day of Pentecost comes and the power of God is poured out. They're overwhelmed with the power of God. These guys are turned radically around. Peter, for example, is an unlearned fisherman is quoting large sections of Old Testament. It's just amazing because the power of God came there and they recognized that. And he said later after, you know, they raised up this, this lame man, he said, don't look at me like some big deal I did. This is because of Jesus Christ. 
It's always pointing to him. The spirit is always pointing to him. We must be doing the same thing, allowing the spirit of God to teach us how to exalt Jesus Christ and how to be able to give him the glory and the honor that's due to his name. Somewhere in these notes, we have some more. So, how do we receive the Spirit? First, as I, I mentioned this earlier, you got to receive Jesus first. You can't have the Spirit without Him. It's just not going to fly. So, that has got to be a reality where you have proclaimed and declared. So, how do we do that? John 1, verse 12 is a good place for that. Romans 10, you can look at the scripture, Romans 10. We went over that the last time. But the one in John is to as many, but to those who received him, to them it gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. To as many, it's open. It's an open invitation to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's an imperative. Now, as Peter taught on the day of Pentecost, he taught repentance, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Luke, Luke 11 would be a great place to spend some time as well. Jesus is teaching the boys on prayer and he teaches them the imperativeness of continued prayer, to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking and to him who asks, receives, and etc. So it's a continual. So again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is at one point in your life, a power encounter of some sort. And there's multiple ways that people receive. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And Don and I are an example. Those are the ones that I'm most familiar with, I guess. Uh, I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit all in one night. It was just and with the laying on of hands and the anointing of God came on my life and I've never been the same since. Donna got saved in the, uh, in the fifth grade and she got baptized in the spirit when she's 35. And the impartation that came to Donna is because she simply prayed. She was a seeker of it. Just knelt by the bed and prayed and asked the Lord. And it was a gradual entering into the things of the Spirit of God. Man, mine was like bells and whistles. Everybody doesn't receive the same way. So there is no prescribed way of seeing that. But you have to be saved and you have to desire this and you have to ask for it and then you have to receive it. Receiving is huge in that area and believing that God will do if Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. The asking and the believing and receiving is just like salvation. I think it's probably the, the best description of it is sanctification. It's being saved some more. It's ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural process. But those that seek, find. There is opposition to this. I guarantee your brain will resist that. And some of you have been raised up in churches that taught that this had all passed away and it's not for today. And those that believe this thing are not well. 
But I'll tell you, having walked in this for 45 years for Don and I both, we've gone through some incredibly rough things in that season. But I tell you what, it's the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Jesus Christ that kept bringing us back and enduring and walking things out and repenting and doing the things that Jesus told us to do and we've acted on that. And so I can tell you from experience in my own life, this is so worth pursuing. The fullness. John 1 verse 16 says, out of his fullness we've all received even grace upon grace. Or one translation says grace for grace, which I really love. Grace producing more grace. Ongoing dimension of an understanding of will and purposes of God that are real and functional. If we have just the, the theology of this, no practicum, nothing ever changes or transformed in your life, that's useless. It's hypocritical. We have to have some measurable change where the functionality of the word of God and the spirits, word and spirit, right, Jake? That's what we proclaim. And we declare that, we believe that. And we do it together. See, there's a, a stimulus of, of the power of the Holy Spirit in another person. And this happened to me a lot of years ago. And the story's too long to tell, but I had prayed everything I knew to pray multiple times and I could see no measurable results. And it was not going to be well for Don and I in a, in a house transaction. And I was in a prayer meeting in Auburn at the time and shared my situation. And I heard another person pray for what I so desperately needed and immediately I had faith come in my heart that it was going to be all right. And it was. So there was an anointing on this person to pray for me. And I didn't have any faith because I'd emptied my bucket. It was just done. And I'm crying out to the Lord. And pretty soon I'm praying those prayers that dribble off my chin and run on the floor. And there's no power anointing and no faith in them at all. But when I heard this lady pray, faith came. And I really believe that is a, a functional part of the body. Romans 12, uh, 1 verse 12 says, being mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And I have so, Jake and I have done this so many times where we're praying for each other in a situation. There's a stimulus. I won't have anything. And I hear Jake pray and all of a sudden I have something I didn't have 10 minutes ago. And this is the power of the spirit working together and functioning together, provoking one another to love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching. The good deed is believe in one he has sent and the one, the helper that Jesus and the Father have sent to us. Jake said this on Sunday. He said, let Jesus clothe us. I love that putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus told the boys in Luke 24, verse 49, it says, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. That's what the baptism of the Spirit is, being clothed with something supernatural so that we can understand and hear and know what the Father's up to and align ourselves with that. How to be saved initially, how to be saved some more. So the initial part, remember, we got to be saved first and then we receive 
what he's done for us. One other dimension I think I need to, to share with you before we, we close this off here is the draw near wait with expectancy. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, come therefore boldly before the throne of grace. Or one translation says, draw near to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Find grace to help in time of need. Or we could say, to find the helper in time of need. Well-timed, appropriate help coming just when you need it. So Father, that's really my, my prayer for us, that we would be seekers it's the Father's plan for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's plan A. There is no plan B. These are the things that have been given to us as token evidence, Lynn, of the grace of God in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has been blood-bought by Jesus Christ. And Spirit of God, I ask that you would rest over this teaching. Take my flesh out of this and allow that which you have ordained in purpose to be heard in this season, in this place, to be able to heard, to be heard at the very core of our being. And I'm first in line for this. And that we can begin to take action. Peter says, gird your minds for action. There needs to be action on the word of God by the power of the spirit and to be able to enter into these things in faith in confidence in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. And Father, if there's anyone that be watching or listening to this this evening that's never made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, this can be the opportunity. Simple prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin, having gone my own way and spoken my own words. And I receive you and I lay hold of you and I accept what you have offered. And you said that you have given Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior and that I would have eternal life with you. And I just pray, oh God in heaven, those that are on the outskirts of this, those that are wrestling through, that are making excuses, that are still stuck in the world, that would like to have the benefits of the power of the Holy Spirit, but are unwilling to lay aside the flesh, oh God in heaven. Would you soften hearts? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the days of propagation in the wilderness. Some are in the wilderness where they need to come out, come as they are to come to receive you. And Lord Jesus, we bless them. Oh God in heaven, would you give us grace to endure long, however long. We just don't know quit. We want them all. If they breathe, you want them. And we honor, O oh God in heaven, that holy saving work to be carried out to the full extent of lordship of Jesus Christ and then the full power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.